0: You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. What what I want to do this morning is, if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to invite you to open with me uh, to the book of Joshua, chapter 3. And I'm going to be uh, speaking a message from the depths of my heart this morning, something that I feel like my wife and I have been living out since January. So I've had this topic, I've had this idea um, in my heart for about seven months, and I feel like right now God is just now kind of allowing me uh, to, to speak this. I, I, um, I tried to speak this a couple places, but I felt like God was wanting me to wait um, but I feel like this is the opportune time, and I'm excited to share this message with you. But before I do that, what is Youth Alive? What do we do? What are we a part of? What are we trying to accomplish? And um, thank you, Pastor Carson, for uh, the, the overview. And so what we, what we want to do is this. There are 1,979 schools in Arizona, which equals about 488,000 students in those schools. So what Brittany and I have answered the call of God in our lives to do is this. We want to reach every student in every school. Because I believe this, that if there is any group of people in our society today that need Jesus, it's the local school. Amen? Well, I don't know if you've paid attention or seen the Red for Ed movement with all the, and all the school shootings, the suicides, and all of those things. But I believe that... The school is ripe for the picking. And as a youth pastor, I got incredibly dissatisfied with this understanding that there are so many students that are never... It doesn't matter how great of a youth ministry we have, how much money we dump into it, whoever we can bring in to do do games or whatever. There's going to be teenagers that will never, ever step foot in a church. And I, I... This... Sensation. This this voice in my head kept saying to me, "What are you gonna do about those kids? What are you gonna do about the kids that never will step foot in church?" And so we have um, answered the call to start Youth Alive in Arizona. So the four things that we want to do is this: we want to train, we want to recruit, train, and send out campus missionaries into their schools. Students that will live life as a missionary. Not saying students that will live life and become youth pastors one day, but students who will live life as a missionary and understanding that every vocation is sacred. Wherever I end up in this world, my career, everything is my mission field. I'm going to start now. So if we start in high school, it'll last, by the grace of God, it'll last through college, and it'll last until their, their career and their families and so on and so forth. And as well, we want to help connect churches to their local school whether that means help them bridge the gap between relationships in a healthy manner, or whether that would be um, helping them find ways and avenues to serve their campus. And then we want to launch a life-giving club in every campus that we have access to. Now, the reason why I'm very specific on saying life-giving, because just because you have a club doesn't necessarily mean it's life-giving. So we want to have a life-giving club on every campus where students are meeting Jesus. Come on, somebody, right? And then uh, the, the last thing we want to do is this, and I'm very excited about it. This year, we're, um, I've got some hopefuls on the books already, but what we want to do is start uh, school assemblies where we would do, go into a school and we would do a courage students just to live a socially beneficial uh, gathering in a school and, and encourage students just to live their best lives and be their best them. And I know this, that if there's campus missionaries on the ground doing the work, Inviting God into the campus, like we're, like the presence nights, inviting God's presence on the campus on a regular basis. We can come in and do an assembly, and you don't have to mention the name of Jesus for Jesus to move. Come on, right? Awesome. I think I hear my child crying. <laughs> it's not my okay. All right. Praise God. I can I can I can I can do better now. So my question is this morning to you, my friends. The topic I want to challenge you is with with this. I want to challenge you to live life positioned for miracle. In other words, I'd say this. What are you expecting in your life? Are you living your life with expectancy for the future? Are you living life with hope for the future? Are you living life with big faith? I'm a huge believer that this Um, This life is a journey that God has set before us. If I'm on this earth for one more day, it's because God is not done with me. God is not done with you, and he has a plan and a purpose for us, and the best is yet to come. My situation might not be what I want it to be right now, but I know good is coming and gooder is coming. So I want to live my life with expectancy. And so my heart this morning, church, is I want to encourage you And I want to tell some stories that hopefully will inspire you to step out and step up and live life with expectancy, to live life positioned for a miracle. There is nothing more uh, dissatisfying to me as a believer than seeing believers in a great, powerful God living life not expecting great things. I believe that if we serve a God who is far greater than, far more capable to do anything that we could ever ask for or imagine, that we need to live life with big faith. Amen? So I want to, to read our story today out of the book of Joshua chapter 3. And our, 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 our character this morning is a man named Joshua. And if you're not familiar with the, with the Old Testament, Joshua was a leader of God's people, the Israelites. And Moses, he was the guy with the Ten Commandments, did all that... Good stuff. And anyway, uh, Moses led the people of Israel for uh, for many years, and then we pick up the story up in Joshua chapter one. Moses is dead. Hallelujah! <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Moses is dead, and then God says to Joshua, "It's time for you to pick up Moses's mantle, and you're going to lead the people of Israel." Ouch. That's that's scary. How can I? I can't believe that. How do I do that? He says, "I want you to finish Moses's job. I want you to lead the people." To the promised land. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to be bold. You're going to be courageous. Now go. Now what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the first instance, the first uh, situation where Joshua was used by God to lead the people of Israel through a miracle. And so let 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 me preface it by saying this. In order to have a miracle, you must have an obstacle i say that again. In order to have a miracle, you have to have an obstacle. So whatever your situation is right now, whatever you're looking at right now, let's not look at the obstacles and get discouraged, but let's look at our obstacles and say, I know God is bigger than this, and this obstacle, no matter how big it is, that just means that God is going to bring something bigger and better and greater. Come on, somebody, right? Amen? So here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at them walking towards the miracle and the obstacle that they face. Here they are. Um, they are walking to the promised land. The first obstacle is this thing called the Jordan River. It's a flowing, it's a gushing, it's a raging river. And he, they lead the people, the, the Israelites, to the river. And before they can cross over, they need a miracle. And so what happens is, and you're, God says, hey, do this, go here, and I'm going to split the water and you're going to lead the people right on through. So let's read in verse um, chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan. And he and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officer went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord... Your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way that you shall go. For Listen, this is so good. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, for this great day, for this great church. And we just ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to live our lives positioned for a miracle. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's, let's reset the stage here. So Joshua has led the people to the Jordan River, and they're camping out beside it for three days. Now, the, the, the need is to get the people to the promised land. The obstacle is the Jordan River. The miracle needed is to part the waters so that we can go through. Now, for my wife and I, our dream, our vision, our hope, and our and our, and our, uh, our goal in this life is to reach every student in every school. Now, let me. what are some obstacles? Some might say the schools are closed. Some might say separation of church and state. Some might say that... People don't want anything to do with Jesus on campus, and you might be true, but I would say this, that no closed door is too tight for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Whatever the ob- Now, whatever, whatever, whatever the need for the miracle is in your life and whatever the obstacle is in your life, I want to speak the, to that today because your situation has to bow down before the Lord. And so I want to give you three thoughts, three ideas when it comes to positioning life for a miracle that I believe my wife and I have been experiencing and living out the past seven months. Now, I am not an expert on miraculous moves of God or anything like that, so this is not an exhaustive list. But I ask you that you would lean in and engage this topic with me this morning. And I'm on this journey with you, and together, let's look at this and see if God would speak to our hearts this morning. Amen? So number one would be this, to position your life for a miracle, number one, stay behind. Number one, stay behind. So as we see in this, these first couple verses, it says that Joshua and the people, they came to the Jordan River. And they camped there for three days. Now I would say this, I want to be the type of person, I don't go anywhere, I don't do anything unless I see God go before me. And as we, as we go on to this, the verse 3 and 4 says, um, Only when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, in other words, the presence of God, only when you see God move and get up and go, that is when you stand up and then you follow it. So listen, my friends, if you want to live life positioned for a miracle, do not get ahead of God be the type of individual, be the type of church that says, wherever God goes, we're going to go and I'm not going to move until I see God move. If he says, hey, camp out here in Scottsdale and uh, be faithful to this community, be faithful to this church until I say go, then you plug into this church, you plug into this community and you serve and you stay behind what God is trying to do and you position your life for a miracle. And then listen, it says this, and you are Listen, I love to- 2000 cubits behind so you will know which way to go because listen I love it It says you have not been this way before in order to go where you've never gone before you need to follow somebody who knows where they're going so in order to go where you've never gone before you need to follow someone who knows where they're going and I will tell you this following following God sometimes can be absolutely positively terrifying but i know god wants to do things in our schools in arizona that have never been done before and as soon as i try to get ahead of him as soon as i try to make it happen on my own i start to fall behind so before i fall behind i want to make sure i stay behind So let me ask you this, who or what are you following? And is what you're following taking you towards the miracle that you are needing for your life? Number two would be this, be all in. Number two, be all in. As time goes on, they um, they go, the next day happens, and they're at the Jordan River, and then God says to Joshua, he says, I want you to tell the people, um, you, you, gotta, you have to get in the water first. Get in the water, and then it will open. Get in the water first, and then it will open. And it says this in um, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. It says, Now therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel. In other words, say, take a representative from each tribe. Take a representative from each family. You can look at it that way. And it says, And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Now, so what is he saying? So the scripture is saying go to the water and all 12 people is all the priests need to get into the water first. And when everybody is all in, I will bring the miracle. When everybody's positioned where they need to be, When they're all in, I will provide the miracle. Now, let me say it like this. So let's say you got 12 folks getting in, getting in the, the river. Now I don't know, the scripture is not clear. We don't know if it's like a side-by-side, shoulder-by-shoulder, we're all stepping in at once. We don't know that. But I like to imagine it might have been more of a single file. There might have been some people a little bit reluctant to get in because it didn't make any sense. And by the way, um, when God tells you to do something to get positioned for a miracle, oftentimes it will not make sense starting a church in downtown Scottsdale, I don't know if that makes sense, but I believe you're positioned for a miracle. Amen. And so all the people, I'm sure there's, there's at least one person in the water, like there's that bold person that got in, like, okay, what do I do now? Come on in. Water's fine. So think about this. Sometimes you have to get positioned, ready for the miracle, long before the miracle happens. So I'd say this, uh, James teaches us that faith without works is dead. We can say we believe God all day long. We can say we trust the Lord all day long. But sometimes he's going to say to us, I want you to step out before anything is even happening. So let me, let me say it like this. When my wife and I answered the call to, do, to be a part of Youth Alive and to launch this ministry, it was kind of scary. <laughs> But we're all in. Like we don't have a backup plan. This is our whole life. And so back in January, uh, sorry, back in um, December, we had our last Wednesday night as youth pastors at our church. It was awesome, and um, we, we were going to speed the light drive. And my wife and I personally gave more than we've ever given ever. Not to mention we had a month-old baby. Not to mention we just moved into a house. And then we're like, cool. Now we're going to quit our jobs and do this. And we entered. I thought to my 18, get this, negative $230 in the hole. And I thought to myself, well, great, God, thank you so much for your call on my life. Um, And then I got invited to go do a retreat, um, like do recreation for a small retreat. And they paid me $230. Great, I'm back at zero. Um, Still being like, okay, God, whatever are our bills coming from this month? What's going to happen? I'm freaking out here, God. And then my wife gets a call from the hospital. Hey, we owe you a refund. What for? Like, they charge, they double charge for the baby, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> swipe twice. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, so we get, we. I'm thinking like 200 bucks. Cool. That's a tank of gas for both of our cars. That's that's lunch, whatever. But one day, I'm in the other room doing something, and my, I hear my wife go, oh my goodness, and there is a check from the hospital for $2,000. Oh look, look, why do I tell you this? Why do I tell you this, my friends? Well, one, because God is good, and you cannot out-give God. If you're stepping up to be a leader, you're stepping up and saying, I'm a leader, so I'm going to give. I'm going to give up my time. I'm going to give of my resources. I'm going to give of my energy. I'm going to give up my, of my finances. And when you step out and get all in, you cannot outgive God. Yeah. And, and listen, the past seven months have been moment after moment after moment after moment just like that. But we had to step out even before the signs were showing we were going to be taken care of. We had to trust God and say, I know I will be taken care of. And I'm going to be all in and watch what he will do. Two other, three other quick stories I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story about a young lady named Brittany. Not my wife, but a different Brittany. Who was all in at her school. These are the, these are the moments that we want to train our students to be all about. This young lady in Brittany, um, she, was, she goes to an... incredibly. I don't, I don't know of any other, like... I've not seen a school as closed after the gospel. And I mean, like, very closed after the gospel as this one. She went forward to try to start a club. I gave her the tools, the ideas, and the thoughts. And she went to try to start a club. And before she could even have a meeting with the principal, the secretary shredded all of the paperwork and then lied to her about it. And so... Brittany isn't flabbergasted because there are several other clubs with strong belief systems. And if you think hard enough, you can probably guess what I'm talking about that are allowed to function on campus. And so Brittany starts to think, there is definitely a bias here that they're not for this. And so you know what I said to her? I said, do it anyway. Step out and do it anyway. They cannot stop you from reading your Bible at lunch with some friends. And so what does she do? She steps out in faith and she says, you know what? I don't want to do it at lunch. I found a loophole, she'd be be a great lawyer, I found a loophole, you can be on campus until 4 o'clock, and at 4 o'clock they'll start charging, so we get at 2.50, so I got got plenty of time, and so she says, I'm just going to meet by my locker, and we're going to have a club in the hallway, and as she stepped out to do this, ooh, this is good, as she stepped out to do this, a teacher who is a staunch, um, I don't know if he's, I shouldn't say atheist, I don't know that. But he's definitely not for the things of God, and I got to talk with him very briefly and learn that. Oh yeah, he's he's definitely not. And he heard about the unfair treatment that she got, and she he said it's not fair that the school denied your request. So you know what? There's other clubs that are allowed to function. You know what? You can use my classroom. Opened up, opened up her classroom to her. And so after school, March 16th, 2018, Friday, she stepped, started her first club. And now listen, and it wasn't just white kids. There was Muslim kids there too. And I'm like, what is going on? This is amazing. And, and then whew, the school told her, you can't talk about Jesus in the classroom. So what'd she do? Well, first, I, I, first I'd been like, it's after school. Very brief. Uh, anyway, so what did she do? She has the club and speaks very briefly about the Bible, and then when the club's over, takes them out in the hallway to talk about Jesus. <laughs> she being a great lawyer. And in the hallway, I got to go to one of these meetings, and in the hallway, she gave a gospel presentation, and a little eighth-grade boy gave his life to Jesus. But listen, listen, that was, that was what it means to look like what it what it looks like to be all in. That's what it looks like to say, I'm going to stay behind. My school might say no, but you're saying yes. If you're going before me, I'm going to follow you because I know you want to take me to a place I've never been before. This school's never been before. This town has never been before. So I'm going to stay behind, and I'm going to be all in. Another story, a young lady named Destiny, she saw. Uh, she went to see you at the poll last September, and she thought this is, needs to be happening every single week. And so what did she do? She gathered four friends at the initial four friends at the flagpole every Wednesday to pray, and even if it was dark, if it was too or so early, really cold, didn't matter. Every Wednesday morning, her friends gathered around that pole, and it turned into close to 50 on a weekly basis, and not just that. Students from other schools in the Prescott area found out about it and were encouraged by it, and so they would come and pray with her at her school and then go to their school for the day. And It was amazing, and then one day a young lady walks up and she sees this prayer gathering and she sits there and wonders about it, and after the gathering ended, she said, What was that? It's like putting it on the team. So Destiny swung, told her what it was, and the young lady's like, I don't understand faith. It doesn't make any sense. So what did she do? Opened up a conversation. I don't don't know how long it took, but before this young lady went to school that day, Destiny got to lead her friend to Jesus. Let her in the prayer of salvation right there, and that's at the heart of a campus missionary right there. Come on, somebody. And then lastly... Last story is this, and this one's fresh. I got to do an event um, in a room full of middle schoolers. And some of you might be like, what's a middle schooler? Why do I want them? I promise you do. They're great. (laughs) I was at an event. I got to speak to middle schoolers. And this young man named uh, Max, (laughs) fun fact about him, the whole time I was with him, the whole time, it was a week long, he was wearing Make Make America Great Again hat and, like, he never took it off. I'm pretty sure like he swam in it and showered in it and everything. Um, I was like, you're in seventh grade. Why do you care? <laughs> and anyway, um, so this kid, after the event, he emailed me one of the most amazing emails, like grammatically correct, everything. And I'm like, one, that's really like well-written. But two, what seventh grader emails? Like, <laughs> Three, where'd you get my email? <laughs> like, I don't, know what, I don't know what's going on. But this is what I, that's what I think a miracle looks like. I believe this is what God wants to do in our schools far, far more. Because I think this is a massive need that we don't really even fully understand the, 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 the depth of. So this is what he says. I want to thank you for what you have um, done for me this week. You may not realize it, but this week God saved my life. Remember on Friday Night Chapel when you, when you asked people if they had suicide, suicidal thoughts to step forward? Remember, these are 6th through 8th graders. I was one of those kids. And what you said, I mean, it left me in tears. I have never come forward about this before because I thought I would just be labeled, avoided, and that people would just form opinions about me based on how I felt. When you and everybody else put your hand on my shoulder and prayed for me, it was one of the best moments of my life and I cannot thank you enough. It may have been just another day at the office for you, but it was the world to me. You have prevented me from committing suicide and you have saved my life. When he's saying me, he means God. He's just young. <laughs> when you saved me from depression is what he means. So my friends, that, is what a miracle looks like. Seeing a young person thinking suicide is the answer and realizing that Jesus is the answer and realizing I don't have to go that direction, I don't have to go that route, I can live in freedom and let me tell you something, I believe with all of my heart that more and more and more and more and more and more this year at our schools and our churches, there is a need that for a miracle of teenagers to know that their obscurity does not need to result in suicide. Their obscurity does not need to result in a school shooting. But their obscurity needs to result in, hey, there is a missionary on campus. There are people around you that love you, and let's see Jesus meet the needs of our campuses. So I want to be you in. And church, I want to challenge you to be all in. Stay behind the Lord and be all in. And I want to say this specifically to Banner Church Culture right here is this. Be all in to what God is doing here. Because I believe that this church is uniquely set up to do something amazing. Look at the environment you're in. You're in nightclub city right now, y'all. I really do believe if you could tap into the culture here, and I love Carson so much. He's all about getting into the culture and engaging the people. I love that, and I believe this about your pastor. Every time I talk with him, and I've told him this uh, in private, but I'll say it here, every time I talk with him, the things he says, his, his ideas, his thought process on things It always blows my mind and super challenges me because he thinks about things differently. And I think if you're going to do things differently, you need to have a leader who thinks about things differently. And so church, I would say this to you. Be all in here. I dare you to be the type of church that says, I don't care if I worked overnight. I'm still going to show up to church. I'm still going to have a smile on my face. I'm still going to serve. I'm still going to worship with all of my heart because I believe that this church could be the answer to this community. And if, if, if that in, be a miracle take place at Banner Church, it's not, it can't just be Pastor Josh and Katie that are in the water. It has to be everybody. So be all in, church. I challenge you to be all in. Listen, our generation today, like my generation, I think we're one of the most cause-driven generations ever. We always want to be a part of the cause. And I believe that the most important cause to be a part of is the kingdom of God. So I'm the type of person, I have no problems challenging somebody's thought process when it comes to um, giving their life to the church. I have no problem with it. Because I believe, if we truly believe the church is the answer, if, if we truly believe that God's initiative to rescue the world is to be done through the church, if we truly believe that, then we should never be too tired for it. There should never be too much to do. It should be, this is a privilege, and this is an honor, and I thank the Lord that I get to be a part of a church like this. Sometimes as a youth pastor, I'd get in trouble with how much I would ask out of my leaders, honestly. But seriously, I would ask so much about out of my leaders, but as a result, man, there was a lot of teenagers that got saved that their parents aren't Christians. They're first-generation believers but that's because I believe there's there's a direction we are going, and I'm not going to be afraid, I'm not going to be ashamed to ask people to give their lives to it. So church, I challenge you to give your life to this movement here. You'll be amazed what God would do. Number three, last thought would be this. Stay low, or get low, like little John. (laughs) After I realized, I realized I I said get low, I'm like, (laughs) well, my wife... As I was telling, uh, telling them back there to put that in, my wife goes, yellow, yellow. I'm like, dang it, I should have titled it something else. Here's what I mean by that. Chapter uh, 3, verse 5. This is what Joshua says to the people Yourselves. this is good. Joshua says to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. What is he doing? He's telling the people to get ready to live with expectancy, to be positioned for a miracle. So let me talk about this idea of consecrating yourself. In Scripture, there was a position of prayer, and the position of prayer was typically prostrate before the Lord. In other words, I'm kneeled down before the Lord, or I'm face down before the Lord. In the chapter beforehand, an angel of the Lord appeared to to Joshua, and the first thing he did is he fell on his face before it. So I want to say this to you, my friends. When we get low, we go far. And I know that's countercultural because in our society, in our world, we think the harder I work, the more connections I have, the more things that I do will get me further. But in in, in God's kingdom, it works a little bit differently. And the lower that I can get before the Lord, the further he will take me. I don't have to worry about what I got to do. I got to worry about who I'm serving. So get low. He says, consecrate yourselves. And the definition of consecrating means to declare yourself as as his. Or declare your your, uh, work or declare your day sacred before the Lord. And so what I challenge you, church, is this. To declare yourself as the Lord's. Because I would say this. When the Lord shows up and brings the miracle, I want to make sure that I am the man for the job. I want to make sure that I have the character that is ready to handle the miracle. I want to make sure that I am ready to handle the overflow and the blessing because listen, if we do not care about preparation, that when the promotion happens, we will not be able to handle it and the, 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 the blessing of God can take us to a place where our character cannot keep and declare. And so I wanna be the type of person that says, I'm going to get low before you, Lord. I'm gonna declare myself as yours because when you overflow, when you show up, I want it to be all about you and not about me. I want you to get the credit, and I want to be able to handle it. So Lord, I'm going to get low, and I expect you to do great things. If you don't do it tomorrow, I believe still that the next day you're going to do it, and the next day I believe. So what are you believing for, church? What are you living life with expectancy for? Do you believe that God's best is still yet to come? I do. I genuinely believe that God's best. We've only been doing this ministry for seven months. And already the things we've seen take place are far beyond me. Just a year ago, our lives were completely different. But I I, I so believe this. And it's not that we're amazing, but I want to be here to say live by faith because we're doing it and it's working. I'm not going to be the type of person that's going to say do this, but we're not going to do it. I believe your pastors are the type of people that are going to say, do this because we're doing it. So I challenge you, my my friends, to stay behind, to be all in and to get low. As a matter of fact, this this coming Wednesday, July 25th, July 25th, um, I believe that this school year, I really do, I believe that this school year we're going to um, see doors open that have not been opened either ever or for a really long time. I believe this school year we're going to see young people who have no concept of the love of God meet Jesus. I really do. I I really believe we're going to see crazy things happen this school year. And so what I'm challenging every church, every youth pastor, and every student to do on Wednesday morning or Wednesday all day, July 25th, is to consecrate our schools and consecrate ourselves before the Lord and get ready for this next school year. So what we're doing on July 25th is this thing called School Prayer Day, where I'm challenging every leader, and every student to, if they can, go. Fit. So as youth, onto, the, onto a campus, go onto their campus and pray for their school. So as a youth pastor, we would do this every year. And um, literally every time we would do this, we would go to the school, 30 minutes, an hour, and we would, we would lap the school. We would lap the school and we'd pray. And um, one of the schools we did... <laughs> a young man named Nick ended up coming to our church, ended up getting radically saved, and now he's accepted the call to go into full-time ministry and he's gonna be at Engage in 2011 this, this fall. But that's the result of prayer. So I wanna challenge you, maybe you're like, I, don't, I can't go to a campus on, on, on Wednesday. Well, what if you just lived in a mindset of prayer over our campuses? On Wednesday. What if you did that? Maybe you're like, well, we really need a youth group. Well, start to pray for the schools. And we'll believe for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? I believe that I saw y'all's kids' area down there earlier, and I'm like, dang, this is sick. That downstairs basement. I'm like, I was telling Carson, like, this would be a dope place to have a youth group, it'd be so sick. <laughs> I believe this, my friends. I really believe in this church. I really, really do. So I, I challenge you to live life positioned for a miracle and expect God's best. Amen? Would you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for these amazing people that have been here today and listened to my shouting and listened to my poor excuse at humor. Father God, I pray, Lord, that whatever situation that these people are dealing with today, whatever they're needing, whatever obstacle they're facing in their lives today, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to stay behind you. I pray, Lord, that they would be all in and they would get low, and together we would be positioned for a miracle. And Father God, we pray right now as as well for anybody who is away from you. They need, in order... Before they can be positioned for a miracle, they need to receive the miracle of salvation. Maybe, Lord, there's people in the room that were once walking with you but have walked away and they need to make a decision consciously that I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna commit or recommit my life to you. So my friends with heads bowed still and eyes closed, every opportunity I get to share the gospel, I wanna take advantage of that. and so as I'm talking today and you're like, you're hearing about what I'm saying and you're like, you're into it. Um, but you have never consciously made a decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. I want to invite you to do so. So what I want to do is this. I'm going to count to three and I don't, I'm not, um, I'm not going to make it weird. I'm going to make, make it very approachable. So I just want to count of three, ask you if you need to commit or recommit your life to Christ to so raise your hand. I'm going to do a simple prayer over you and we're going to believe, um, God's peace and comfort and joy to be on your life. So if that's you all across this room, if you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, make him your Lord and Savior, all across room if that's you, lift your hands on the count of three One Jesus is here, he loves you Two, he's not mad at you he's mad about you Three, if that's anybody in the room Thank you Thank you Put him down Praise God. So everybody, would you would you repeat this prayer? If you raise your hand, or you should have, or, and everybody else, would you repeat this prayer with me? And let's, let's really believe for life change to happen right now. Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. Would you forgive me of all my sin and give me a new life and a new hope? Help me to live in your joy. From this day forward, I will follow you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Awesome. We'll love you guys. Thank you so much.